Let's take a little time to reveal The prehistoric stories that the earth once concealed Mix them all together on this ancient land It's time to spread some paleo jam Hello and welcome to this next edition of Paleo Jam, the paleo podcast with a difference. Um, today I am speaking with Dr. Heather Robinson. Hello, Heather. Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm good. And Professor John Long. G'day, Mike. And uh, we're going to be talking about all kinds of things, um, how they work together, maybe how they met. Um, we're talking about, uh, a, a, yes, a, a range of things. But first up, one of the things we always do on this podcast is we ask our guests to bring an object Heather, what did you bring and what is it? What, why, why, why does it matter? Well, I bought a book because it's a book that has been written by a, a very normal young girl who ended up um, becoming a figure in history and impacting on a number of people's lives and certainly mine. So I've brought along my copy of um, Anne Frank's diary, The Diary of a Young Girl, um, which ended up um, being in my charge as the exhibition manager for the Anne Frank Australian exhibition way back in 2000-2001 um, that saw me travelling across the country, um, meeting all sorts of people, working with some amazing people, telling this story of what happens when prejudice and discrimination becomes policy. Um, it's happened in Australia before, it's happened all around the world and uh, this was a story that, you know, has informed my life, my life's values, um, but also talks about the power of books, the power of stories to change people's lives and through education, through sharing different people's perspectives. It is, I mean, the story of narratives and storytelling. It's exactly. something I bang on about all the time. Um, and I'm sure it'll come up again and again in the next next little while. Um, but it also, I suppose you also, it gives us a bit of a sense of the work that you've done with museums and cultural institutions and stuff so we might come back to that sure. john what did you bring i brought a fossil shark's tooth of course you did see that that's was a very, that. very hard shark's tooth that yeah. was the sound of the fossil shark tooth on the table yes and it's a big one as you can see it's from an extinct species Used to be called Azurus hastalis, but now it's got a number of different genera names. Now it's um, called Alan. Atodus hastalis, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. But it's um, one I found when I was nine years old from Bo Morris. So it was one of the f informative fossils that set me on a career of paleontology way back over 50, 55 years ago or whatever it was, 54 years ago or something like that. So it's interesting, isn't it? That, that moment for you of, of seeing something like that on a beach could be so inspirational i mean was it was it like a like a eureka moment and the fact that you've kept it yeah because i found time. lots of fossils up until this one i'd found lots of little shark's teeth and i'd found invertebrate fossils but finding a big tooth of a giant killer shark really gets the blood rushing through you and it did get me excited and i wanted to find more and learn more so that's what set me off collecting fossils yeah and a lot of your work since then has obviously been on uh, uh, fish and fr from placoderms and th there's a whole bunch of research that's come out in the last few days yeah. um, and, and again we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that yeah. um, I also have an object 
Yeah. <laughs> Mine is is probably can be described as a fossil. It's a, <laughs> it's a, the hilarity there will um, so it's it's a it's a CD mm. and it's a Professor Flint CD that I may have an affiliation with as yeah. his alter ego, or is he my alter ego? I've been begging to ask. CDs are fossils these days. Anyway. Well, exactly. <laughs> yes. But on this album, um, track four is a song about the go-go fish. Mm. Um, and it's a song that, that John and I co-wrote. And it, for me, what I love about it, it's about that relationship between two different people working on a creative outcome yes um and and what i love about that song too is that there's there's been several iterations of it so mm. there's the original version john that you had on your as a ringtone yes yes for how long a very oh, long time several years yes it sort of drove me nuts uh, i was going to say it was um i think it was a an earworm longer than it was a ringtone yeah. yes um and then there's a version on the album there's a there's a there's an acoustic version on, yes, a, on another album yeah. um another profflint album uh, it's um, and there's a version, a jazz version that I did at SVP. I remember that one. I remember That's me great. standing on the balcony. Yes. Like, geo, geo, oh, oh. And this was in 2019 when we brought the Society of Vertebrate Paleontology meeting to Australia for the first time. Absolutely, which, which was quite a significant thing. Lots of people from overseas yes. coming, and the really cool thing was to be able to talk to those paleos about our prehistoric stories and yes. for them to get an insight for them to be at the Queensland Museum to see the stuff yes that, yeah. that we're working on seeing the real thing to see the real things to see the best of the things yeah yeah okay so um just 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 to inform the listeners um so there's a professional partnership between you two yes yep. um and that's what we'll mostly talk about but it's also a bit more than that isn't it so you're like what's that word um married correct yes so um how did that come about? Were you both did were you working on a thing and then you gone, hello, let's get married? Or did you get married and then the nature of the things that you do just kind of seemed to become a thing? Well, I think we because we both we met when we were both working in the museum sector. So we both recognised, you know, that power of story. I was coming at it from, you know, an arts and cultural heritage background, John very much uh, as, a, as a scientist. And that was a, a headspace and a, and a world that was pretty much new to me. So uh, when we started hanging out, we were always, he was always breaking down what he was doing for me. Um, and I was always going along to different lectures and things, not just where John was giving presentations, but where um, other scientists who were visiting were presenting through the museum. And because I'd worked with public programs and things, it was like, these people are great, these people are really engaging. Um, and so we always had that common ground and that um, belief in the power of telling stories to the public. Um, you know, whatever background, whatever that story might be, because we've seen both in science and, and also in the in the cultural side of it, the power of those stories to impact individuals. And, you know, there's always the hope that those individuals will go out and make change in their world. Mm. Uh, so that's what drives us a lot. And over the years, you know, we've supported each other in different projects and whatever roles we're in. Um, and until it was after... Um, 
I'd finished my PhD on the value of culture um, to try and understand, you know, has everything that I've been doing yeah, counted cause, for something? Because your yeah. PhD was about the, the, the non financial value exactly. of, and, and it was particularly with the State Library of South Australia. State Library of South but, Australia. But, but it's on the non-financial value of yes. those cultural institutions and the stories exactly. within the collections. Mm. What they mean to the community, but also that latent value that's kind of resting and not so much hiding, but waiting for the right person to engage with it mm. and to develop a story and pull those things together. Mm. So when I'd finished that PhD and, um, you know, hopefully it will be a book soon, um, John and I, well, a lot of Australia um, ha were impacted by the bushfires and we've been aware of climate change and those sort of issues for a long time and being similarly frustrated and after helping a friend clear her block and hearing all these stories about people who lost everything, um, as well as our beautiful habitat, our beautiful environment that's so much a part of being Australian. Uh, we just sort of looked at each other and said, okay, you know, I was at a career crossroads. Um, we were like, well, what can we do between the two of us with the, these skills that we have? Um, how can we bring it together to keep doing what we're doing, but in a new form, in a different form that's not dependent on an institution, on one institution? Can we somehow tell these stories, keep working for the public? Um, because one of the really yeah. cool things that I love to do with with working with someone or an organisation is that idea of, of you don't necessarily know what the outcome is going to be, but it's like, what happens yeah. if we put John and Heather together, yes. the skill set that they have, what does that make? I sat down just yesterday with a colleague of mine, with a friend of mine from the Australian Classical Youth Ballet, and mm -hmm. there's a show that I'm that I've done, and they do shows in a particular way. And we sat down. The great thing, as well as the coffee and the cakes, mm -hmm. um, yeah. the great thing is that the thing that we've come up with as an idea at the end is not a thing that either of us no. would have made. No, and you can't really. And it's a really cool thing. Yeah, it can't be anticipated. It's a very creative process, and um, dare I say, I had a PhD come into it. It's that phenomenological element of when two people or one person, an object, um, have a conversation. It was something that I drew on with the Festival of Ideas when we were pulling the program together, um, and I've always loved the idea of you know, thinking of these things as, as almost like a dinner party or a lab environment. My God, that person's talking about that thing and so is that person, but they're coming at it from a completely different perspective. Mm, mm. And so we like to explore that space between. If explore that space in between disciplines, between ideas, between cultures, nationalities, in order to generate new ideas, possible solutions um, but it, it's an incredibly creative process and it's really exciting mm. cool okay John you you come at this from from I mean you've, you've written kids books so and you've, you've written brilliant lyrics for a professor Flint song yes, so there's there's, there's <laughs> you, obviously there's a there's a creative side yeah, to you yeah. but but first and foremost though you you're you're a, you're a science person yeah. so how have you 
Well, how has it been for you in terms of all right, how let, this... Let me yeah. go back to the beginning. When I met Heather in 2001, she was touring around the Anne Frank exhibition to museums all around Australia. Yep. And it came to the West Australian Museum where I was working as curator. So we kind of interacted there and that's how we first met. But also that same year when the exhibition finished, I invited Heather to come up and join me on a go-go expedition to the Kimberley, to the famous go-go fossil sites in the far north of Western, Western Australia. And she came along and she cracked fossils. Is that there. when you, is, did you, did you think then, she's the one? Well, <laughs> I wouldn't I have invited her up test. to go-go if, <laughs> if I didn't think, I was pretty confident by then that, you know, yeah, this was yeah. going to be a great relationship. But anyway, that aside, it was on that expedition that Heather, found a giant fossil lungfish. And at first I didn't even think it was a fossil. I was tired at the end of the day and I looked at it and said, oh, it's probably too heavy to take back to the museum. We yeah. might have to leave it here. There was a bit but of tension. There was day. a bit of tension, but we won't go into it because we could take up the whole of this podcast <laughs> telling that story. that story. So I'll just jump to the gun and say I hit it yeah. with a hammer. It split through the middle of a skull. And I went, wow, this is really something big. And I took it back to the lab in Perth. I put it in the acid baths because that's how we prepare these fish out of the rock with weak acid which bubbles away and the bone sticks out as the, as the rock dissolves. And eventually I said, this is a new species, I'll name it after you for finding it. But then as more of it came out of the rock, my, my heart sank because I saw it was a species that already existed. Oh, but, no. But get this. Worse. Worse. <laughs> Worse. It was one already named after me. Moi. <laughs> It was a species that looked like it was Holodipterus logi. So and the holotype, the type specimen... Megatension early megatension. on in the relationship. So, so yeah. this species was actually originally described from a small lungfish palate and lower jaw. But this was a massively big example of it. You know, the skull was 20 centimetres across. And it ended up being the adult of the species named after me, Holodipterus longi. But then the... the so, Heather's, Heather's, so Heather's version was the adult in the relationship of these fossils. Ah, uh, yes. Wait. But it gets better. Ah. It gets better. As the whole thing came out of the rock and I started to study it, I realised it wasn't Holodipterus after all, but had to be a new genus, which I named after Heather. Her surname Robinson. So, so genus Trump species. And this is well, of course. Yeah. But th this you couldn't you couldn't plan this like to have a genus name after Heather and a species name after me, just hardly ever happens in science in taxonomy. And so now we're locked together in this taxonomic name of Robinson Dipterus longi forever. Uh, forever. And and <laughs> what's the time period we're talking? Devonian. Devonian. So three hundred eighty million years ago. Three hundred eighty yeah. million years ago. Yeah. yeah. A story began. Exactly. A story began amongst and, the Gogo formations. And we stayed together. And uh, even before the year we were, yeah, even before we were married, um, Heather came along on some fantastic fossil expeditions, including to the Nullarbor Caves, yeah. where I led three expeditions between 2002 to 2004 that recovered all this amazing megafauna and complete skeletons of Thiacaleo. I was working for the West Australia Museum and we had Gavin Prudhoe and members of the South Australian groups coming over as well. Uh, but Heather came down those caves and helped find some of those megafauna as well. So she's got a great um, association with me with paleontology as well as our creative things that yeah. we're now doing together. And I think basically underpinning all this is um, we don't really believe there's a difference between being scientific or being creative. The two of them, you know, they are um, different knowledge systems that you, different people engage, different sets of tools. We're still exploring the world. Mm. 
we just use different tools at different times. Absolutely, yeah. and and you know I've been playing in this space yeah. for a long time. What's really interesting for me is my sister, who's a clinical psychologist. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, was sitting down one day and she was talking about how she when she's with her clients she's got a private practice when she's with her clients she you know they'll talk stuff and she looks for the patterns yes mm. yeah i do the same thing with words and with ideas and mm. and stuff yeah. it's, it's, it's actually a really interesting it's like yeah. that 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 underpinning thing well that's what all the all she, she does it with yeah. science and psychology i do it and create yeah. songs and, and I, stories i did it with fossils it's all about pattern recognition yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely i'm and just just i was going to say just just really interested because yeah. we, we started off talking about the objects the 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 um shark tooth that john's bought and the Anne frank book that you brought and the album that i've brought coming back to this object this this fish yes the, the, the my the, fish your fish yes that that cemented the relationship Indeed. he probably contrived the whole thing he planted the fossil in the oh, no no she no, was no, miles away when she <coughs> uh, but, yes. but but it's interesting that we, we we you know john obviously there's a there's a specialness about that shark tooth for you there's a specialness about that book for you Heather. yeah how do you when when you when you think about this fossil how do you like at a purely emotional level do you just go oh my goodness how cool is that i go back to the day that i found it mm. um and you know it i'm thinking well it, it's actually quite a, a philosophical and, and deeply personal um kind of experience because you know i'd pretty much given up finding any fossil you know and i was having those thoughts about oh great you know i've i've failed the relationship test I'm just this hitchhiker <laughs> what am I doing here in the middle of the Kimberley and um, but I'd wanted to see the Kimberley for years and I thought it's these sort of opportunities don't come up whatever happens with the relationship is almost secondary I just want to be in this moment hmm. and having sort of let go of that very um, uh, what would you call it egotistic goal focused um, sort of method of getting out there I'm going to find a fossil because everyone else is finding fossils um, I just sort of had given that up that day and I'm like look I'm tired I'll go out that way everyone else is going that way and I was just walking along and enjoying the environment the smells the the foliage you know I come from a family of gardeners and um, you know I don't know was looking at a bird or something and very gracefully and elegantly fell down a creek bed mm. and um, nodules <laughs> no it wasn't full of uh, nodules yeah, it was okay. well there might have been but all I know is I was you know just feeling a bit cranky and a bit sore and it was like oh how am I going to get out and I was just pulling myself out of this creek bed and um, just put my hand on a rock and it was like that's not a rock that's fish scales you know because it just looked like you know a barramundi scale because mm. um, that's the secret with fossil fish you know you know you found them because they look like a fish uh, you know who knew I know <laughs> especially um, go-go because they're so well preserved they're so yeah. beautiful and mm. so you sort of have well I had that moment of it's a fish and it's like oh the scale's getting bigger towards this end and that's apparently the business end you know where the skull and the shoulders and all that sort of thing is um, and it's like okay I'm going to have to get this out but then I had that moment of my God, you know, this has only recently weathered out. You know, it's been covered up for hundreds of millions of years. And, you know, aside from the odd bird and passing lizard, I might have been the, the first, 
you know, set of eyes. Their set of eyes, absolutely. Um, yeah. On this yeah. this creature that did have a life, that yeah, did yeah. have, you know, a place in this environment. Mm. So the pretty spectacular volumes I've been to. Emu Bay to, yeah. to uh, South Walker Creek and yeah. to a range of places. And that moment where, you know, I, I remember the first trilobite that I split open. Yes. And, you know, it, it wasn't anything new, yeah. this particular, but this individual was that new. This, was individual, yeah. Yeah. this yeah. individual was swimming in the ocean yeah. 515 million years ago. I was the first set of eyes yes. to look at it yeah. since that yeah. time. Well, it's the same like with the shark's tooth, but up at Gogo, I've found a lot of things up there, but often it's been an expedition with a lot of people. So some of our biggest finds were found by members of the expedition, like the motherfish with the, the oldest embryo in it was found by Lindsay, the late Lindsay Hatcher, who was one of the best oh. fossil hunters I ever knew. God Lindsay bless him. Was he a was legend. a fabulous bloke. He used to go out there and he came on the Nullarbor trips many times, but you know, he just had an eye for finding things. But my biggest, happiest day of finding things at Gogo comes back to the shark's tooth because 60 years of collecting at Gogo by British Museum and by many of my expeditions and other expeditions, we'd never ever found a fossil shark there. We'd found loads of these armored placoderms and the bony fishes. And then it was on the 2005 expedition, it was July the 7th, about 11 o'clock in the morning. I still remember it, it blazoned into my brain. I hit a small nodule and I saw this amorphous looking set of rods in it, which turned out to be jaws speckled around with little shining bits of enamel. And they, under the microscope and the hand lens, they were teeth of sharks. And this turned out to be a whole new genus of shark, which I named Gogosilarchus. Um, we, Kate and I, working together, a whole team of people named it Gogosilacus Lynn Beasley eye after the chief scientist Lynn Beasley of West Australia. And to me, that was really exciting to find something that had never been found there before, a whole new group of fishes. And it turned out to be really quite a key scientific specimen as well. And of course, sharks have always been a big part of my life from finding them as a kid. Um, I'm working on a book on sharks at the moment, the history of sharks, and because there's an exhibition you've worked on recently in, at, mm. at the Australian yes, Museum. Yes, last Friday we were at the launch yes. with Valerie Taylor, who um, I got to meet up. When close. you talk about legends, my yeah. goodness! But but yeah, this is a, a wonderful exhibition about the history and evolution of sharks as one component, about sharks, their diversity, the challenges they're facing for conservation, and about the culture of sharks of all the Pacific nations, including indigenous Australian views about sharks, the, the, the New Zealanders, the Maori, and also the, the different island cultures. Yeah, yeah, and how these these creatures are part of, you know, they, well, they're, they're gods in many instances, yeah. and yeah. they have rituals and relationships so a, that have built understanding and incorporated them into their lives. Yeah. I want to briefly come back to yeah. that, that moment of discovery, because I remember a time, one occasion uh, at, at Emu Bay, and um, Jim Galling and Jim Jago and yep. John Patterson yeah. are there. And there was this moment where, I forget who it was, probably Mike Gemmell, because he was always finding the things. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> He's cracked something open. He's gone, oh, not quite sure what that is. And then the others are get, and there's this, everything suddenly becomes silent. Yeah. <laughs> as the profs, and I've got this photo yeah. Yeah. of the, the, the three profs yeah. with their little things looking at it, just yeah. going, yeah. I, I don't quite know what this, I, it's a thing, but it's not, it's that moment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yes. It is. It's yeah. like with the shark, it only took a moment for me to grab my hand lens look at it with the hand lens and then immediately I could see there were teeth 
that very distinctively was shark and I had that eureka moment and I was yelling out at the top of my voice to the others in the long grass shark shark <laughs> which, which normally the people are ducking for cover which normally in Australia is a sound of terror when you're at the beach it's not a thing to but yell this out was my jubilation cry and uh, that was one of the most ex- and we've since then we found a second go-go shark we're still working on and we've found Acanthodians or stem sharks for the first time. So it's just by going back to a site and working it, working it, working it, that eventually with hard labor and many hundreds of man hours of cracking rocks, you find the rare things and they do turn up. And it's, it's that thing too of getting your eye in. It is, isn't it? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, first, you know I, I remember the, the, the first time I went to Emu Bay, they've just gone, here's a hammer, there's a, there's a spot over there. I'm like, what? What, what, what do you mean? Yeah. What do I do? Just, yeah. just crack the things just open, hit like it. just yeah. join the chain gang. And you've got that, you know, yeah. basically. But, but, and and first up, I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm like. Then I'm like, oh, oh and you see the things and stuff. Yeah. It is. Um, yeah. Okay, we've got about five minutes okay. left. Okay. Yeah. Because the thing Rub with this podcast, for those of you that are listening for the first time, we don't edit, and we've got a timer sitting in front of us. I know. So we've talked about the background to. Yep. To, to how you came to be and how that you're you're playing with with working on things together. So, what can you tell us yes. about what you're working on at the moment? Yeah, that might be a thing for us to look out for. That might, and if there's things that you're working on, you can't tell us. That's totally okay too, sure. because I'm sure we can fill the the remaining time. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, um, because and and what's your role in the thing? My role in the thing, Um, I'm a producer as well as a company director of Lifecycle Productions, which is the company that, you know, I've always wanted to work for, so we've made it ourselves, Um, which is about exploring these opportunities to tell stories in different mediums um, for the general public. So our first couple of projects we have going um, are documentaries, and um, we've been lucky enough in our support from uh, the South Australian Film Corporation as well as a little bit from uh, Screen Australia as well. Uh, So we've got these projects in development, which is really exciting. Um, And it's not too dissimilar from where I've come from professionally, which is about building those bridges between the experts and the audience. It's about raising the money. It's about getting the partners lined up. It's about honing, 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 honing the story so that it's going to fit um, with the different channels and things that that we're aiming for. So that's been going incredibly well, um, as well as, you know, the the usual book projects that John always has on the go. Um, We've been sort of honing those as well. I don't know if you want to share. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean... We can't reveal too much about the documentary project yet because it's it's not until it's ready to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. But, and but development's course, a long it's process. On yeah. our, my my work as a paleontologist yeah. and my knowledge of evolution and things like this. But and it's that thing of of that we talked about a little while ago about what happens when you hurl Long and Robinson together. Well, yes. we work and the skills that you bring. Yeah, we work greatly. Such a, a cool thing. We work greatly as a team because yeah. I get a lot of the ideas well, we both have the ideas, but I'll get sort of core ideas about paleontology or whatever, and then we'll develop them and thrash them through. And then most of them getting from the idea or concept into production, going through development, is the hard work that Heather's the expert in, in terms of 
she's been upskilling and learning, doing courses and learning about production development and all yeah, of this. Budgeting. Budgeting. But, but it, it's a, but it's a lot of it comes from, 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 from the, the background stuff that you've done too. Like, exactly. You know, managing it's something like the, the, the Festival of, of Ideas yeah. that I got to be a part of in I 2000 know. and... <gasps> 16. 16. 16. 2016. Yeah. Where Carl Telfer yes. and I, uh, Carl's a uh, Malawira man, which yep. is Dry Forest man, which is yep. a part of the Ghana area, yep. which yep. is the land we were at Flinders Uni, which is, yep. which, is, which is Ghana land. And we got to talk about home. Home. Yeah. And um, we had Ali Corby Eckerman was on. It was on. just such a cool It was a beautiful event. Panel. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to it again yeah. recently yeah. and um, I just love... And Carl yeah. and I are talking about doing some more yeah. stuff and and his his nephew, Carno and I do yeah. some work together. But it's, that, it's the storytelling, isn't it's, it? It is the storytelling because yeah. I love Finding, telling stories. And yes. At school I was best at English, not science. Yeah. I used to write poetry for the school magazine. That's how I started. Yeah. I was the editor of the school magazine. Oh my goodness. Ah. So for me, going <laughs> writing books that started off as science books, then easily graduated into writing yeah. fiction for children because I had three young kids at the time. And I was writing books about kids going back in prehistoric time, Mystery of Devil's Roost. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, it was just fun to do that. Yeah. A lot of the works I've done as creative works have gone into then plays, uh, music, all sorts of different mm. mediums. Yeah, know? and so our first projects off the board are going to be um, science-based, but told with a difference, told with a cultural bent. But because of the work I've done with the State Library as well as um, some other projects that I've had going for at least a decade, um, we will be releasing other more culturally bent um, projects, um, particularly about the State Library. I'm working with Wakefield at the moment oh, on bringing that book out, and it's all about the public value. Yeah, uh, but, but I love I love that thing that that you each bring something different. But over the years, obviously, you've learned this commonness. Yeah. The common ground. Could I just say that? Yeah. Um, all right. Too late. We are no, going to have to do another episode at some point. <laughs> we are just thank you so much, John and. Heather, thanks for having us, Mike. We will have you back again sometime soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. It's great. Thank you. And we should do this again sometime. We should, with cakes. It's time to spread some paleo jam.